Former Trump advisor and current podcaster Steve Bannon delivered a speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference, and this was one of the speeches I haven't yet covered, and it was disturbing what I'm about to show you. Just really strange and sad and deranged and so many things. So I'll play this for you and react as we go along. Again, just remember, I know we know Steve Bannon now is sort of the war room podcast guy if you know of him at all but this is an example of the type of people that donald trump surrounded himself with in the first term only imagine who will surround him in the second term as he gets much worse today in this very hall the greatest president of the 20th and 21st century sat here and said he's a political dissident he's persecuted that is a mark upon our country because it's absolutely true, 100% true. And why is he a dissident? You know why? Because he's not. Because he gave us three years of peace and prosperity before he was hit with a Chinese bioweapon. Watch how much <laughs> insane he packs into this short clip. They stole the 2020 election. Media, I want you to suck on this. I want the White House to suck on this. You lost in 2020. Donald Trump is the legitimate president of the United States. Yes, you're the one owning us. Suck on that. Saying something that is just not factually true. And we'll talk about more <laughs> on that later. But also... He's saying as if he's owning the White House and the media. You lost. You're mm, got it. But just remember, regardless of the conspiracy theories, Joe Biden's the president right now. So in that sense, he won either way. He's the one in the White House with the power. And he also happened to win legitimately. But even with Steve, Bannon, uh, Steve Bannon's conspiracy theories, Joe Biden won. One Trump one Trump one Trump one Trump one Trump one word delusional word delusional You know how we know categorically that Trump won now Ooh please tell us Because the New York Times and MSNBC and the Washington Post understand we're about to out them Right? We're going to adjudicate this after victory. If, 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 if Biden actually won, he would be a revered hero to them. If Kamala Harris had really been the wingman, she'd be a revered hero. The New York Times is throwing Biden under the bus every day and backing him up over him. That shows you they know he's an illegitimate regime head. He's a usurper in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, this is just an example of an unwell man, genuinely, or a grifter, or both. Before getting to what he was saying there, I will say, I've thought before, think about how easy this whole act is if they are grifting. I've said it before, but I, every day, have to get up and prepare for the delivery of a show that actually aligns with 
both my own personal values and principles and also is fact-checked and I'm presenting things that are accurate. And that takes work because the world is a complicated place and there are a lot of um, false ideas floating around. Even from people that I trust, they get it wrong. And so you gotta go make sure that the things that are being presented are correct. And that takes a whole lot of work. And then there's someone like Steve Bannon who can just fabricate the reality that they know their followers want to live in and then present that to them over and over and over again. And he makes lots of money for it. And I don't know how he sleeps at night, but that is something that if you have different principles than me and you only care about money, then that works way too effectively in the right wing bubble that exists. And we've seen it before. These grifters, you can just say the right things, pretend to be outraged about the right subjects, and boom, you can grow a massive audience just doing that. It's pretty sad. But to his uh, <laughs> remarks there, let's start with the point about the media, I guess. It's actually so silly to say the media being critical of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is proof that they know Biden's an illegitimate president. Even though if they could actually prove that, that would be the journalism of the century because it would be the thing that no one else could prove, but finally they brought forward the evidence that brought down the Biden White House or whatever. And also it proves way more likely, definitely, that the media on the quote unquote left or in the middle actually has some journalistic ethics and takes that to mean often they should attempt to be critical even of the administrations that they see more favorably. So I think a lot of the journalists at the Washington Post, New York Times, etc., do think that Joe Biden's a, a better president than Donald Trump was, but they take very seriously not being biased. And so sometimes their effort to prove that they're so unbiased actually, from my perspective, makes them go uh, unfairly hard against the Biden administration, for example. But even so, they are trying to do the work of good journalists and not let their personal biases cloud their journalism. So they are critical of the Biden administration, for sure. And that's something that Steve Bannon couldn't possibly fathom. Good, high standard journalism. Maybe that's what he's confused about. Then, don't you love that and by love, I mean hate, of course, as I often do, that the way they discuss the election is by just bluntly saying it was illegitimate, not referencing anything. Oh, this case or this thing proved it. Just saying that and then chanting Trump won. From an alien perspective imagine just being an alien you come down you're observing all this and you don't know which one is true but you see the way that liberals talk about it and all liberals reference is the evidence they don't make these abstract well if the election was stolen then you would see fox news doing this or that they just say evidence we haven't seen evidence brought forward in court cases that bolster that idea every investigation every court case every audit every recount all of those things bolstered the fact that the election was free, fair, and legitimate. And then the right-wing crowds go, Trump won, Trump won, Trump won, as proof of their argument. Even without knowing the 
ultimate truth you could quickly guess based on the behavior of the two crowds there my goodness and then otherwise just a really disturbing indictment of the modern republican movement cpac used to be the the place for republicans right and now it's that and one other moment we looked down the bonus show from cpac was this all right welcome welcome i just wanted to say welcome to the end of democracy <laughs> we're here to overthrow it completely we didn't get all the way there on january 6th but we will we will endeavor to, forget, to get rid of it and replace it with with this right here we'll replace it with this right, right. here amen that's right because all glory all glory is not to government all glory to god so that starts off like he's trying to tell a joke and then he just keeps going and seems like it wasn't really a joke and then steve bannon says amen which is not normally something people respond to jokes with and regardless of if jack sobiak the guy talking thinks that it's some big joke his movement potentially being responsible uh, for in the future the end of democracy or not that is the threat that's posed by the movement and i do think a lot of people within the MAGA movement don't get that to be fair i don't think they know that they're enabling that sort of future but they are that happens a lot really dangerous movements often are filled up with a lot of followers who don't get it until it's too late and uh hopefully it'll never be too late because we'll stop them electorally a lot of people are finding themselves scrambling to pay increased power bills electricity bills the electric bill across the country as people open their electricity bills gas the electric bill would get over a thousand and bills could skyrocket even more but you know we need the electricity why are power bills so high right now one of the biggest reasons is our dependence on fossil fuels, specifically gas, to generate electricity. Electric bills may go up by more than 60%. The reason? Higher natural gas prices. We have alternatives that are cheaper, more stable, and that don't emit climate pollution. But electric utilities or power companies have resisted efforts to transition to clean energy. That was a moment from a documentary I'll tell you more about later in this segment. But I want to discuss something a little bit different than the normal day-to-day -day goings on of American politics. Super important though, so stick around for it. So we'll get to an illustration of what we're up against in the fight to act on climate change. But first, let me lay out the context for why this is on my mind. So one of the historic pieces of legislation that has been implemented in the last few years that we've talked a lot about is the Inflation Reduction Act. And so much is a part of the Inflation Reduction Act, but I noticed myself putting emphasis mostly on the lowering of prescription drug costs, sometimes ACA expansions, but often quickly skip over the fact, or just touch on it briefly, that it makes the largest investment in green energy in history. And I guess I do that because I'm serving an argument that I think some conservatives will be most compelled by, so I'm focusing on those things, but. I shouldn't skip over that huge achievement, especially given that proper investments in green energy are such a smart decision for us as a country, of course, for the livability of our planet, my goodness, and also given that clean energy is cheaper to produce than fossil fuels. So liberals and conservatives alike, regardless of your ideology, we should all be pumped up by that, right? I'm showing some examples on screen of studies that have been done on this. And that somehow gets lost so often in the conversation. We could be saving money, but we're choosing not to. And there really is a future 
if we would manifest it, where we do this correctly and benefit in so many ways, even very selfishly. If we are on the forefront of green energy and have thriving industries within that context, we'll be able to gain jobs, lower energy costs, and do so while keeping the planet livable. Win, 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 baby. <laughs> now you would think that just the motivation to have drinkable water, breathable air, healthy ecosystems to produce food, etc., would be enough to make these changes, but clearly it's not because we're not making them fast enough. And so I do think we should also call attention to the way that people will win financially, saving money if we make these investments. And that was a big goal of the IRA stated was to lower energy costs for Americans while making these crucial clean energy investments. And there's a lot of work to be done, of course, to get us where we need to be as a country, but that's why it's so important to be doing it right now. If we as a country lead on this issue, that means again, the thriving industries are in the United States producing this energy, millions of jobs being created, people are experiencing cheaper electric bills, and we're making sure we have a livable planet. But the question has to be asked, right? Well, then why don't people really grasp that? Why aren't people aware that fighting against proper action on climate change is fighting against their own cost savings if we implement this correctly? Well, there's a whole lot of people, the answer is, uh, who don't love the idea of that becoming common knowledge. And so a lot of misinformation on this issue is pumped out and people get confused, understandably. For a long time, we were lied to about the existence of climate change. And I guess still that's sort of happening, but the mainstream has started to understand the science. And now those same people who were lying about that are lying about the cost of clean energy. And I'm sure you can guess one of the industries doing that, fossil fuel companies, obviously, but also power companies. What? And on that, I want to request you all watch something that I'll link below in the description. It's a short mini documentary on YouTube. And I know the creators, it's an organization called Evergreen. You saw some of it in the intro. I'll play a little bit more in a moment, but it nicely illustrates how important it is that we stay vigilant on this issue, given the constant effort by massive corporations to prevent change on it. And this documentary specifically focus on, focuses on, again, power companies. They're quite literally using the money we spend on our energy to lobby a message against a green energy transition while often promoting misinformation about the subject and about the cost. They're working really hard to prevent necessary change. So we have to work harder in the other direction. And here's a bit of this documentary that I found really informative and impactful. And that lobbying is a big part of the problem. Take a look at this letter. It comes from an electric utility front group called the Edison Electric Institute. In the letter, EEI is asking the Environmental Protection Agency to weaken an important climate rule. Most people in the United States get their electricity from a member of the group that wrote this letter. Fees tacked onto their power bills paid for the lobbyists and the lawyers who wrote it. And that's a big problem because you need electricity and you don't get a choice in who you buy it from. Electric utilities have monopolies. And those utilities spend tens of millions of dollars a year on lobbyists who are opposing clean energy. But at the same time, utilities are also spending your money on fancy ad campaigns to greenwash their image. Together, we're building our clean energy future. Utilities are playing a game. They're saying one thing to the public and something completely different behind closed doors with regulators. 
So go watch the full thing. Again, it's linked in the description below. A lot of necessary and important information there. The Inflation Reduction Act really was a good step in the right direction, but we need leaders who are willing to fight hard against the consistent and influential effort to prevent proper change from happening and make those next steps happen. There is a strange phenomenon taking place right now among right-wing leaders where they're attempting to repeat something over and over again so that Americans start believing it and thus sort of wish it into existence. And the idea that they're repeating is that support among black voters for the Republican Party and Donald Trump specifically is just surging. It's just off the charts. And come election day, Trump's going to have black voters come out in force very strongly and powerfully for Donald Trump. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's what they're sort of talking about. We'll get to some examples of the reasoning, according to many of these right-wingers, as to why the support is shifting. And uh, I think this is largely a very artificially bolstered conversation, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First, let's start with something in the similar vein, but it's Don Jr. saying that he has black Americans come up to him, tears in their eyes. No, uh, he didn't say that, but saying that he is their hero. Sure, Don. I travel all over the country. I fly commercial. I like, I'm all, you know, I, I have seen and witnessed now more than ever, uh, you know, the amount of African-American men that have come up to me literally like, hey, man, you're my hero. I'm like, what? I, like, really? <laughs> like, I, I did not have that in my bingo card. I okay, first of all, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Second of all, if it does, I don't care who you are. You're crazy. What? Donald Trump Jr. is your hero? Don Jr. I don't know why Donald Trump senior would be anyone's hero uh but you're going for the knockoff <laughs> and what's heroic about donald trump jr him being the son of a billionaire and then just sort of living and just nothing remarkable okay but he's their hero uh and then number three him saying that wasn't on his bingo card what does that say though so presumably if he specified that black americans now are saying this to him then Presumably, previously, other people would say that to him. And it was a normal thing, just not among the black community. But otherwise, people would say that he's the hero here and there. But he never expected to be told that from a black person. Why is that, Don? I want to know. A little introspection. See what takeaways you have and then come back to me. Then here's, oh no, Raymond Arroyo on Fox News saying this oh it's crazy because even the sneaker thing i was on social media last night very interesting as you see black support eroding from joe biden this is connecting with black america because they love sneakers they're into sneakers they love the you know th this is a big deal certainly in in the inner city so when you have trump roll out his sneaker line they're like wait a minute this is cool he's reaching them on a level that defies and is above politics Ugh. Yeah, I know. It's painful. So it's going to be the shoes that wins Trump the black vote, apparently. It, no, just. Uh, then I showed some of these clips in a previous segment, but Trump at the Black Conservative Foundation event said that uh, 
Well, first he said this, then we'll get to him explaining why he thinks he's resonating with black voters. These lights are so bright in my eyes that I can't see too many people out there. But uh, I can only see the black ones. I can't see any white ones, you see? That's how far I've come. All right, and then here he says that he's being discriminated against, which makes black people like him because they've been discriminated against. Uh, and then I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And a lot of people said that that's why the black people like me because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. It's, it's been pretty amazing. But it in the span of a couple of weeks, he compared his self-identified victimization, or I should say victimhood, to that of black Americans and Navalny. That's where Trump places himself. That's how much of a victim he perceives himself to be. How, how is he being victimized? He's being held accountable for being found to have raped Eugene Carroll in a civil trial and engaging in fraud. And going forward, criminal behavior, allegedly criminal behavior, whether it be him trying to block the peaceful transfer of power or holding on to classified documents obstructing their investigation and all these different crazy things or falsifying business records to cover up the hush money payment that's actually him being victimized just like how black americans are discriminated against he says Whew. that's the outreach okay <laughs> that's the reasoning from some of these right-wing leaders as to why Trump is going to dominate among the black vote. Not so much. I don't think that's going to end up manifesting in the election. And the reason is not going to be because of, by the way, before I finish that point, um, Trump at the same speech and that Fox News pundit you saw both have said that his mugshot, Trump's mugshot is resonating among the black community. Which, what are you saying when you make that point? so vile the, trying to make a point to sort of uh convince people that hey you know if you're black you can support trump a lot of people are doing it these days it's trendy but in so doing proving why you're just so wrong on these issues but um the reason people across the country of all different races are going to at least enough people vote for Joe Biden. It's not going to be because of these ridiculous substance-less reasons like shoes or Trump's mugshot or something. It's going to be because, well, hopefully Trump, they, hopefully people understand Trump threatens democracy. He doesn't have their interest in mind. He's civilly laborious, et cetera. And also Joe Biden has a really strong record. We talk about it so often, but specifically for black Americans, the record low unemployment and that gap, the unemployment gap between white Americans, and black Americans getting much, much smaller. That means something in people's lives more than a shoe um, and the record investments in HBCUs and then just the general things we talk about investments in infrastructure and lowering prescription drug costs and healthcare for veterans and 
all these different policies that actually mean something in people's lives. Hopefully that's what people will vote on. And I think those will be some of the reasons that Trump lose, uh, loses resoundingly among the black voter population. It's been really interesting to watch the aftermath of Alexander Smirnov's indictment. Of course, Alexander Smirnov being the informant who accused Joe Biden of all the different things that we've been hearing from Republicans about for some time. It was the precipice for much of these allegations that Republicans have been bolstering and it's all falling apart before their eyes in this specific case with the informant Alexander Smirnov being indicted for fabricating this whole story to hurt Joe Biden politically and feeding false information to the FBI uh, in doing that. And these stories, he admitted he was being fed in part by Russian intelligence. It's an absurd story. But even more interesting than that is watching how Republicans the very same Republicans who have been pushing these very ideas and bolstering the allegations of Alexander Smirnov, how they've been coping. <laughs> uh, James Comer, of course, has been the leader of this investigation and watching him panic and try to pretend like the FD-1023 form was never really an important part of this and Alexander Smirnov didn't even matter, nobody even cared, it doesn't matter at all. And then also, this is actually an example of it being more suspicious and they're maybe covering it up by indicting Smirnov. It's really sad to see. I want to show you one example of this on Maria Bartiromo's show on Fox Business. And then I'll show you a couple of other things. You, you look, they've indicted him and more is coming out about the informant, what role he played for the FBI. The FBI paid him to be a spy in Russia. They indicted him because he was communicating with Russia, but that's what they paid him for over 10 years to do. So let's take this piece by piece. First part, that's incorrect. He was being paid as the FBI pays a bunch of people to be informants. And as a part of that process, you can't then use the credibility you've built up being an informant to levy political attacks with fabricated stories that have obvious timeline contradictions and you are caught in lying about that is then a crime. So Alexander Smirnov was signing his name to fact-based assertions that just weren't accurate and trying to use his credibility as a longtime informant to do that. Again, you can't do that. And so that's what took place, not him being indicted because he was talking to people in Russia. I don't know anything about Smirnov, but it, it you know, the circumstances around his indictment and uh, his rearrest and the and the changing of the indict the original indictment by Weiss is very concerning because everything that that I've had uh, to do with the FBI has been very suspicious throughout this investigation. The trust level that I have with the FBI is zero, Maria. And look, we just we're following the money. Smirnoff never was a key part of this investigation, never was a part of the investigation all because we couldn't. It was just one more confirmation for you. Well, yeah, absolutely. Right. So that's a lie. That's just a big, big old lie. We've been covering for who knows how long now all of these allegations. And so often they would point to Alexander Smirnoff. We didn't know who it was at that point in time, but this confidential human source is allegations that would be who was pointed to. And actually, specifically, Jim Jordan, 
somewhat recently got asked, I think by Manu Raju, and then Manu Raju later confronted him about this as we covered, about the investigation pointing out that absolutely no evidence has been brought forward of Joe Biden's wrongdoing after months and years of investigations and nonsense, what we now know to be pretty obvious witch hunts. And Jim Jordan just a few months ago said, well, the most substantiated piece of evidence we have is this FD 1023 form, which of course was the very form that Alexander Smirnov was responsible for. And we knew it to be unsubstantiated, but then we got confirmation it was more than that. It was actually a complete fabrication with a really uh, malicious intention. And so if the individuals heading up this investigation, like James Comer and Jim Jordan, were at all uh, serious or honest, but even serious about getting to the truth, and if they had any credibility, then right now what they would do is try to do some introspection. Oh my goodness, we got duped sort of willingly by an individual who was being fed stories by Russian intelligence to hurt Joe Biden politically. And while we clearly really want to hurt Joe Biden politically, we have some standards. And us being a part of this Russian misinformation operation, that violates the few principles that we do have. And our loyalty to the United States goes beyond our loyalty to our party and hurting Biden. And I just want to say again, every time I talk about Russian misinformation, the Russian intelligence feeding these stories, I know it sounds so crazy. <laughs> this is what we're learning through uh, the indictment of Alexander Smirnov. But I know it sounds bonkers for sure. But again, this is what is playing out. I want to show you too, Ken Buck is one of the rare Republican Congress people who is willing to say, what are we doing here? And he said that on the impeachment effort against Joe Biden. And during an interview with Rob Schmidt on Newsmax, he said, there's just no evidence here to proceed with an impeachment of Joe Biden. Then Rob Schmidt said, well, what about the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas? And Ken Buck pressed Rob Schmidt on what is there to impeach there too? And take a look at this back and forth. Just, I don't understand how that doesn't meet the bar of impeachment for Mayorkas. Well, what's the crime? What, what's the crime? Yeah, I mean, you, 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 18 you, United States what about, Code. What about public what? trust? You tell I mean, me, Rob, what is the crime? I, I think lying to the public over and over again, telling them that the border is secure, I think that should be a crime. I mean, I, th I think it should be a crime to take a job and to exploit it for just the opposite. Is it not? Well, it's not a crime to take a job and exploit it for the opposite. But in terms of lying to Congress, that is a crime. Um, and in his opinion... Uh, the border was secure. In my opinion, it's not secure. In your opinion, it's not secure. But when you start getting into opinions and, and charging people under 18 United States Code 1000. Right. So even Ken Buck, who is a Republican and he and I would disagree on a whole heck of a lot of things, can acknowledge what the heck is going on here. Your answer is because he has a different opinion than I do, or he took a job that he shouldn't have, so impeach him. Now, by the way, on the border, they lie about what is taking place there. Biden didn't come in and open and stop enforcing laws and all that. Just didn't happen. But to the issues that do exist, the Democrats and then some Republicans in the Senate were willing to do something to address that in coordination with Biden. 
and who shot down MAGA Republicans. So should they be impeached now based on Rob Schmidt's logic because they refuse to secure the border? I don't think so. But uh, Rob Schmidt's logic would lead one to believing that. So it's an example here of what I think could be the thesis of this entire show, which is on one end, you of course have issues in the Democratic Party, but you have a party that's serious about governing. And with that, you can engage. With that, even if you're conservative and you disagree with my politics, we can still engage and then come to some sort of compromise and govern. And that can be done in positions of power. But the Republican Party has just completely stopped being serious about governing. And so instead, it's about these ridiculous impeachments, whether it be Biden or Mayorkas and political stunts. And it's about serving the interests of Donald Trump. That's really it. That's what it comes down to. Constantly doing these political attacks and trying to serve the interests of Donald Trump for these MAGA Republicans. And that is not something that functions in a government. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. If you could, make sure the alert bell too is clicked so you get notifications. And if you want to go a step further, you can become a member to get the bonus show Monday through Friday at lukebeasleyshow.com slash membership.